This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. I'm really excited to have our guests on this episode today. Emily and Danny are doing such important work through PSI. And as many of us, after their lived experience through a perinatal mental health condition, are also now working tirelessly to make sure that other people have the resources that they could have used They are going to be sharing today some of their personal lived experience, as well as a little bit about how they got out of their perinatal mental health condition with the support of community and other ways of healing. They're also going to talk about the really important work they do through Climb Out of the Darkness that lives with Postpartum Support International. It's an annual CLIMB event that is first and foremost community gathering for people who have had lived experience of perinatal mental health conditions or who are supporters of people who have those conditions. There are a lot of us who do and a lot of us who need and really benefit from that support, either having actual local community events, gathering to share time together, to share experience, but also you don't actually have to climb anywhere. Sometimes people are gathering, sometimes people do go on a walk or do other types of activities that bring everyone together. You're going to hear a lot more about the climb and what the climb does for people. And also they're going to talk about their podcast. I am one podcast, super important. It's another avenue, another way that people are finding support through hearing stories of people who have lived experience, but also getting a sneak peek inside of PSI and all the amazing things that uh, the people who volunteer for PSI or work within PSI do to help move forward the cause. Emily is a passionate perinatal mental health advocate and the director of PSI's Climb Out of the Darkness program. Attending a local Climb Out of the Darkness event helped connect her with other parents, find the help she needed, and it was the beginning of something incredible for her and benefits the rest of us as well. A combination of treatments, including talk therapy, medication, and lifestyle changes helped her to recover from postpartum anxiety, depression, and OCD. And Emily works tirelessly raising awareness, building community, and connecting folks worldwide to life-changing perinatal mental health resources. Danny is a perinatal mental health certified advocate, trained group peer support leader in her community, and assistant director of PSI's Climb Out of the Darkness program. Hearing one person's story on a podcast changed the trajectory of her life, and it was the catalyst for her to finding a therapist opening up about her own postpartum anxiety, depression, and OCD, and realizing she wasn't alone. Danny is an advocate with a microphone, and she's not afraid to use it in the I Am One podcast. So let's dig in and meet Emily and Danny. Welcome, Emily and Danny. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks Happy to be here. 
I'm particularly excited to talk with you guys because, you know, we're all involved in PSI in various ways and kind of knowing some of the inner workings of PSI and just how passionate everybody is about the cause and the work really it's that you can see it so vibrantly at a PSI conference and, you know, it's just really cool to like be with you guys and be able to not only hear a, a little bit about your stories, but about the work that you're doing in PSI. So we'll just start off, um, Emily, wherever you'd like to start hearing a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, the TLDR version is I had a baby and felt sad and then eventually figured out what was going on. But I think it took a while to figure out what was going on because I had a very invested vision of what birth would look like, be very natural. Mm. It was not. And I associated a lot of what it turns out in hindsight, as hindsight does, were symptoms of like anxiety and depression, CD. Mm -hmm. But at the time it was like, well, I just had a really difficult birth. Like I was sick. I like there were more than like normal medical interventions, like the respiratory people were in, like I was having Mm -hmm. like lung things and like there Mm -hmm. were, there was just other stuff that was happening at the same time as labor. And so recovery was really hard physically. And I think I was like, oh, well, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not myself. I'm tired. I'm anxious about how the carrots were diced Mm -hmm. or the, I mean, like really weirdly, I was like, honey, I need you to just, I'm going to have to take over. I don't like the way you're cutting though. Okay. Like really sharp focus on details. Yeah. Super controlling in a way that wasn't helping me, wasn't helping my husband, wasn't helping the baby. He's turning out mostly okay to be determined. He's 14. (laughs) So we'll see. Is anybody okay at that age? I (laughs) I know he finished middle school. He got to do most of school at home during the pandemic secretly was really Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I it didn't occur to me that what was happening was clinical in any way until after my second kid was born and I was like I'm still really like living on a different level of Mm -hmm. anxiety than is and at that point I was like oh I think postpartum anxiety which was really the trifecta but like that was the piece that I think was like I identified with the most it was also, I think, like at the forefront of symptoms. Right. I mean, can you just, I guess, for perspective, how long of a period of time was that from when it, you first started to when you realized what was going on? My first two kids are two years, two months, and two days apart. Mm-hmm. Weird. That's cool. Um, numbers are cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, like, it was, I don't know, my younger son was maybe like two, three months old. And I was like, still very, like easy to anger, like Mm -hmm. frustrated. I mean, anyone who talks about postpartum rage, I'm always like, like I, Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. like that was like very present because that was how I was not dealing with anxiety. I don't want to say dealing because I feel like that really missed what was happening. I was Mm -hmm. avoiding anxiety Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. having rage instead. But yeah, so it was about like two and a half years or so. And I was like completely unsustainable. And I was just listening to your story and you were talking about how like you had lived with a level of anxiety that was maybe under control or like high functioning, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At prior to kids, Mm -hmm. that was same. So like when it shifted to being more and higher, I was just like, I just had a baby. Like the thing Uh that everybody tells themselves, right? right, right? right. Like extra Mm -hmm, right now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it didn't resolve. Yeah. That's quite some time to be suffering at that level. And not know it, just feel like, you know, just feel terrible. Yeah. It was in hindsight, it was exhausting for sure. Okay. I'll come back with you in just a moment. And now Danny, can you share with us a little bit about your story, your journey? Sure. It was a dark and stormy night. I'm just kidding. It wasn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I became a parent almost 13 and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. I was the first of all of my friends to have a baby still was living in the town that I went to college in. And of the maybe two friends that still lived in town, nobody had a baby yet. Everybody else Mm -hmm. had kind of moved away. Didn't Mm -hmm. really have community. Was working at the university that I went to, uh, that Mm -hmm. I graduated from, had a baby and it was not what I expected whatsoever. 
And that was so frightening to me that I didn't open up about how I was really feeling physically or mentally to like anybody, Mm -hmm. not like anybody to anybody. And so it wasn't actually until five years ago that I started processing my experience. So I was undiagnosed. I don't know if I mentioned that with postpartum anxiety, depression, and OCD. I have processed that with my lovely therapist who I see every couple of weeks, every other Mm -hmm. Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. And But I was so shocked by the thoughts that were running through my head, you know, intrusive thoughts, you know, I was completely exhausted. I also didn't know that I was, had probably lived most of my life with generalized anxiety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a sleep deprived parent who felt very ragey, you know, Mm -hmm. especially the fifth or sixth time that I was waking up in the middle of the night with a newborn, I thought I was pretty monstrous and I was, and I had wild thoughts popping into my head that felt very scary. And of course, I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody, even my husband about them. So for me, because I didn't talk to anybody about how I was feeling, it wasn't until I have three kids. It wasn't Mm -hmm. until my second, after my second was born that I Mm -hmm. felt maybe three and a half years into parenthood, I kind of felt like this fog kind of like lift. Okay. Maybe three, three and a half years. And I just felt like, oh, things feel kind of different now. That's a very, very, very long time. Yeah. To feel like I was in this hypervigilant mode. Yep. Like treading water for my life is what I felt like. Right. Right. For a really, really long time. That is a long time. That's a long time to tread water. Three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Your legs cramping from all I was cramping all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) And then when my third child was born in 2015, I remember being in the hospital thinking, oh, well, now for something completely different. Like it was, uh, oh, I feel like love for this little squishy thing. Like, oh, this is what it feels like. Because the first time around it didn't, I was like, why would anybody ever do this again? Right, right, right. And then I put on, I presented not like I was feeling inside. It was like how I thought, you know, a mom should be, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all um, have some similarities in our stories Mm -hmm. for sure. It's brutal to feel like you're supposed to at least pretend like things are okay, whatever that looks like for you, but inside be like a little bit dying, maybe a Mm -hmm. lot of it for that long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I was really good at, you know, using humor to kind Mm -hmm. of like brush things off. Right. Mm-hmm. So, hey, how are things going? Woo, this is exhausting, you know, and like mm-hmm, make mm-hmm, some joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was exhausting, like in all the ways, but right. you know. nobody really knew. Yeah. No, no. They're like, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. of course it's exhausting, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But then I stopped there and, you know, it's easy to kind of change directions with the conversation when you've got toddlers running around. You, know, <laughs> you only get half a sentence in with your oh, friends or right. your family members. Yeah. I wonder if some of that, like that we can joke with other parents that we can sort of like make light of how hard it is, is because there's like a societal expectation that like motherhood, that parenting, that that like new brand new phase, right? Like just brought the baby home from the hospital, just adopted the baby, just whatever, like is going to break most to some mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wonder how much of how hard it is, is just normalized. Like right. sleep deprivation is normal. Mm-hmm. Hypervigilance is normal, but like nobody like knows. The, of course you're tired. Line. Of course you're worried that, that kind mm-hmm. of, but I was really, really not right. functioning well. And for like, those of us that are over yeah. the line, right? Like there's like mm-hmm. normal, it's not getting in the way of everyday mm-hmm. life. And then there's the line. And then there are mm-hmm. the people that are on the other side where it's getting in the way. Like mm-hmm. you're not enjoying stuff. I don't think anybody I don't ever know asked know where me. that line is. <laughs> I don't think anybody ever asked me like, how are you doing emotionally? And that's like a thing, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I ask all my friends now, like I check in mm-hmm. on day four, when, right. you know, postpartum. And I'm like, how are you feeling emotionally? Like, I know you're exhausted, but like, yeah, I've had two friends recently say like, how did you know to check in with me today? Like mm. it's so hard. And then have that conversation and normalize talking about how you're really feeling because I needed that so bad. Yeah. Well, well, how did 
I mean, I assume now, since you guys are talking about it openly, that people around <laughs> you figured it out or you told them <laughs> also because of what you do. But mm-hmm. like, how did healing, aside from like, you know, therapy and stuff like that, mm-hmm. how did healing take place in your life? Yeah. So I think initially I was, so my oldest was born during like the mommy blogging boom. Mm-hmm. So like everyone had a blog. Mm-hmm. Everyone, literally parents that I would meet out in life. Oh, I have a blog. You want to follow me? Like I just met you at <laughs> Trader Joe's, but sure. <laughs> you know, right. like, Everyone had one. And there were some folks who were like talking openly about it, about what they were dealing with, how they were feeling. And I was like, I found myself drawn to that more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, this is because I'm feeling so after my second was born and I was like, well, this is unsustainable. We need to come up with something, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. I, you know, called my midwives. I found a therapist. I like started the process of like working on myself and reflecting on how I felt because I was blogging, which I think helped a lot because I was reflecting almost on like Mm -hmm. how I felt and I wasn't holding anything back. Like I was talking about bedtime felt like being Sisyphean. Like it was, everything was just on repeat, you know, Mm -hmm. like the laundry was on repeat, the Mm -hmm. dishes were on repeat, everything was. And being able to talk about that and say out loud, and I will never forget this. Like when I said out loud in therapy, I blame my oldest child for how the birth went. Like I just Mm -hmm. needed to say that out loud. Mm -hmm. That was huge. Mm -hmm. Like do I hold it against him? No. Like, was it really his fault? No, but I was blaming him mm-hmm. in some way. Right. Like a moment of being honest with yourself about how you felt. Yeah. Hearing stuff like that out loud does something. Like when you are saying it out loud yourself, it's like Absolutely. totally one thing in your head. And then when it comes out and you hear it, you like, <gasps> you know, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I mean, eventually I, Learned about a climb, went and attended a climb locally. I live in Maryland. So I found like climb and attended. And then I was like, I, this is my jam. Like, this <laughs> is like, you get to meet new people. That's a big box. I like to check all the time. So you're and an extrovert. To, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I knew that. I already knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Introverts know when there's an extrovert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you're like, is this person one of those extroverts that like I can allot, like I can stand here and you can like do the heavy lift on the conversation or are you going to grill me? Like, where Uh, is this going? Right. mm, Yeah. mm. Um, (laughs) No. So I don't know, like attending a climb just felt like having real conversations with parents who lived Mm. vaguely locally. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was having real conversations with fellow bloggers, right? Like we were all kind of being honest about stuff at that point, but I don't think we had bridged the gap to like being in person. And again, I think there's a difference, like you just said, between thinking something and saying it out loud. I also think there's typing, saying it out loud in front of other people. Mm -hmm. There's, there's more power there. Like there's right. more roots of whatever it was thing around. You say it and other right. people. For sure. Yeah. 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 That is incredibly healing. Scary, scary AF, but <laughs> super scary. I'm terrified. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but healing. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. And Danny, how about for you? Well, that's a great segue into, I mean, hearing other people talk about how they're feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what got me in here. Um, <laughs> so five years ago I had there's a day that I will never forget. It is like the day that changed everything in terms of like the direction of my life. And so I w- went down into my garage. I turned on a movie for our three kids. Our youngest was like old enough to sit there for maybe like 30, 45 minutes. I was like, okay, I can run down and get on the elliptical real quick. And I knew that one of my very good friends had just been on a podcast to share about pursuing her passion, which was perinatal mental health advocacy. Super cool. And so she shared about her experience with postpartum anxiety and depression and OCD. And I will never forget just furiously pumping away and sweating and listening to her share about her experience and feeling kind of like those chills, you know, of like, okay. Mm -hmm. So she showed me how to do it. 
I just needed to see, to hear somebody or see somebody, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're talking in person mm-hmm. or just listening in, on a podcast, mm-hmm. to somebody share. And I just remember thinking like, okay, like I can talk about what I experienced because at that point I hadn't even shared with this friend or mm-hmm. my husband fully mm-hmm. hadn't had a therapist, you know, connected with a therapist yet. And I've always known that therapy is totally fine and great and fantastic and all the things I've always been open to it, but I didn't. I hadn't met with a therapist yet to unpack mm-hmm. all the things. And so I heard somebody share their story in a podcast. And that is the catalyst to me finding a therapist and starting to kind of like slide a little, you know, a, some tidbits in a conversation about my own mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And I like test the waters a bit. Oh, yeah. And then so I said to this friend, like, I want to know more about perinatal mental health. Like, what should I read? <laughs> what should I listen to? What did she say? Who should I? She said, well, first of all, you're definitely just listen to mom in mind. It's like a great podcast. <laughs> like, I kid you not. Like, this, oh, is, not really? a, this is not a paid advertisement. Um, <laughs> I did not pay you to say that. No, no. <laughs> and again, it was listening to some episodes on your podcast was great because it was another opportunity for me to hear other people share mm. and to say the things out loud that always felt too scary for me to say out loud because I thought that I was, I had a complete, you know, character flaw postpartum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought I was just like a bad person that I was failing Mm -hmm. at parenthood. And I wasn't, I was just experiencing something that wasn't my fault. Just needed some support. And I didn't know what it was called, you know, during the, you know, Mm -hmm. 13 years ago, I didn't know what Mm -hmm. I was experiencing. I didn't know what to call it. But yeah, hearing somebody, many other people share their stories helped me gain the confidence to also open up. And now I don't stop talking about it. Nice. <laughs> so I, I mean, basically every conversation I have with my friends uh-huh. and family are, yeah, I was telling my therapist the other day, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I it, it is what it is now. So we were, Emily and I were very excited to um, start the podcast. I don't know. We'll get into that, but. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Yeah, I'm really excited about, I mean, obviously like you guys, we all went through stuff and somehow turned a lot of horribleness into advocacy and doing what we can do, how we do it. And it's like all voices are needed in every way possible. So this is fantastic. I do want to come back to the podcast in in just a moment, but before that, Emily, I know you were saying that, you know, the climb was your jam and, you know, now doing the climb with PSI for how many years? Pop quiz, pop quiz. Six. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Quick math. Yeah. 2017. Sure. Sounds right. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome. So I was like, carry the two. Yeah, right, right. I was like, gosh, I hope she can get this because I don't do math either. So let me grab my abacus real quick. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. You've been doing the climb with PSI for some time and it's grown quite a bit. Can you talk just a little bit about what the climb is? And if you draw a Venn diagram 
Like if you draw three circles and let them have like one little bit of overlap where all three circles overlap, then the climb lives in the center of that. And one of those circles is like support group. It's, it's the climb is a little bit support group. It's not, it doesn't have the format. It's not officially a support group. The other part, one of your other circles would be doing a play date. Like <laughs> anytime where you can get parents together and the kids are together and they're entertained and the parents can have like, like we were saying before, they can get half a sentence, maybe a whole sentence, fingers <laughs> crossed out of their mouth. Right. Always a good thing because that's community, right? Right. And then that last circle is like summer camp. And that's the only way that I can explain it. Having watched a lot of Freaky Friday and Parent Trap as a kid, like picturing that Parent Trap summer camp where like you go and you meet your people and you get to like make bracelets and do crafty things. And I mean, maybe we're not all learning how to fence because like not every summer camp is going to be like that, but like you're gonna go to a climb and do a craft and meet other people in a way that feels like faster than a normal, you know, I'm going to the park and I'm going to strike up conversation with our parents there Mm -hmm. because we all know why we're there. Like we're Mm -hmm. there because we have been through something. Our friends have been through something. We know that parenting is hard and that really need to stop like only showing the best parts of it and start Mm -hmm. showing and talking about like all the parts, the hard parts, the messy parts, the there's dirty dishes in my sink parts. Like we need to show and talk about all that. That's the climb. The climb is community event. You can have it be a big advocacy event, you know, go to your state capital and like hold signs and make a big deal about how we need to start talking about these and having conversations. You could meet up in a local park and just like see if a local coffee shop will donate coffee so that everyone can get a little caffeine while they're there. (laughs) Don't forget to hydrate while you're doing that though. The climb can be big, you know, shout from the rooftops. Like this is what we're talking about and why we're talking about it. Or it can be like an intimate gathering of friends and friends of friends just want to like get together and talk about real stuff. Right. Yeah. I was remember back a while ago when the climb lived with a different organization for a little bit. I hosted a climb at that time, or okay. a couple, I think 2015, maybe That's something. <laughs> That's right. Right. But it was even back then, I like the very, very first time I did it, a climb. I did. I was like a climb. I don't know if I can climb anywhere, but I can walk. And it was like, oh yeah, of course you can walk. You don't have to climb anywhere. And it was me and my husband and our two kids and my friend and her kid. That yeah. was it. I made a sign. And I walked on a local, like, you know, paved little trail and that was it. And then three times after that, you know, it, it grew and it became a bigger deal, you know, 20, 30 people. And then, then other folks started to join in and co-host the climb and all that stuff. And it became a bigger deal. And we raised some money for the organization. It was just like cool to see it year after year, how different it could look. And it was all of it was welcome. Yes, and I, I think exactly. that's still like that kind of spirit of the climb is what I love about what you guys are doing with and for PSI to create the space for people to show up however they can. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And you could come and attend the <laughs> climb and be there just support a friend, but also be checking it out for yourself. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Nobody has common to know, occurrence. Really. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Leaning on community to just um, see what's, see what's what. So um, Danny, when did you join in? I joined in. Dang it. I should have looked at my calendar. Oh, I don't gosh. remember what year I'm it was. asking it all was, these questions. Thanks, Kat. Hard hitting. Um, oh. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It was probably like, it could have been about five years ago that mm-hmm. I attended my first event. The same friend that was on the podcast was a climb leader in my town. And she's like, I'm doing this climb out of the darkness. You want to come? And I was like, of course I will come support you. I mean, of course <laughs> I was supporting her, but yeah. she didn't know at the time that it was like, Oh man, I totally could have used this, you know, like uh-huh. 13 years ago, but I was also going for myself and I am bit of an introvert. So I went because I was supporting her. I didn't know anybody else there, but the strange thing was 
that I felt really at ease with the people that were there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because there were these really great healing activities that we did. People were kind of just like talking about their own experience. And when people talk about how they're really doing, when people are vulnerable, I think it just, at least for me, it puts me at ease. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, oh, like these kind of feel like my people. And so I attended a couple of times. And then during the pandemic, I jumped on board as a co-leader and, you know, this is probably my third year helping lead a climb in my community in 2013 or 2023. And so, yeah, I attended first Mm -hmm. and then was like, oh yeah, this is cool. This is also my jam. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) stuck her toe in the water was nice. Yeah. The water's (laughs) warm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it. And the cool thing about climbs is that it's a really unique kind of like opportunity for not just parents to be there and connect with each other on a kind of a peer level, Mm -hmm. but it's a great opportunity for, you know, therapists or a pelvic floor physical therapist, like, you know, to come and say, Hey, look at these resources or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know insert any professional that that supports folks in the perinatal period to be there at a climb and connect with the people that they're helping and for people Mm -hmm. that need help to know that there is help that's what I I mean Mm -hmm. just the opportunity to connect people is one of the things that I love the most about climbs Um, yeah because I didn't know like Mm -hmm. what was even available I didn't know about PSI Uh, I didn't know what I was experiencing so yeah. Having everybody at the same place is you know, pretty fantastic. Isn't it a trip? Like it's uh, us on this side of things, you know, before you n- knew about like PSI or resources or whatever, mm-hmm. you felt so like alone and why isn't anyone doing anything about mm-hmm. this or any, some version of that. And then mm-hmm. you step into this world and you're like, Oh, oh. everybody has to know. Everybody mm-hmm. has it like this exists, there's yeah. support, there's resources, and you just want to go and scream from every... We're shouting from the rooftops. Even. But oh, in yeah. order for me to get to a climb, I needed to be willing to talk about how I was feeling or at least be mm-hmm. open about mm-hmm. like attending an event. Anyway, all of the pieces work together. And so... Right. So, I mean, the climb is pretty massive. How many climbs do estimated are there right now like getting ready to go in 2023 Um, great question so (laughs) we now have two climb seasons back in the day the Mm -hmm. climb was in june Mm -hmm. which is end of june yeah right which is great if you're in an area of the country that's like hospitable and not like super hot or like monsoon season or like we're talking about like a international event so like what's good for Florida isn't good for Maine. What's good for Missouri isn't necessarily good for Southern California. Like Mm -hmm. we needed options. Mm -hmm. So we decided, okay, why don't we like have a round two in October? Turns out October, most popular climb. Very, very popular with the people. (laughs) Yeah. You know why? No one wants to be super sweaty. Like, no. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, I know initially this summer and in particular, it was like, I think summer solstice or nearby was, it was created for, to be at that time of year to shine the most light on these issues, which is cool. That's like Mm -hmm. a great sentiment. And also 110 degrees is not cool. Right. It makes it really hard to participate. And it's not in some States, honestly, it's not safe to be out in that kind of heat with kids. And (laughs) that was the feedback we received. Ah, unsafe Ah. for us to be outside. We're like, okay, we got you. We will brainstorm (laughs) recalculating, recalibrating. Okay. So so, uh, June and October now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. End of June, beginning of October. So like second half of June, anytime Mm -hmm. between 30th. So Mm -hmm. it is climb time as we record this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then like first day of October through, I don't want to compete with Halloween. Also, mm. I love Halloween. Right, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so how Not many, in, how many climb teams? Um, I'm we reeling have, us back in. Nice thing. We yeah. have like almost podcast 60, yes. <laughs> I want to say 65 in climbs and like 85 right now, but like October climbs are still coming online right now. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that number is going to be even bigger at, mm-hmm. at the point at which like we close. 
I don't want to say applications because it's not like you're trying to apply to Harvard. Like we're just, right. we just want you to register as a climber. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, <laughs> there's no yes or no. Like we will take everyone as they are. I think last year we had about 120 or 130 or so, and we are upwards of 180 people or, you know, folks that applied. Mm. Yeah, um, we have like those. 180 teams that teams, are like yeah. a maybe in the uh-huh. process. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Every, yeah. All of the October climbs are still kind of working through onboarding. Sure. But, so, sure. but it's the largest number so far, that's right, amazing. Emily? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Um, all over the U.S., but you also mentioned international where what other countries are popping in. This year, we have a climb in Democratic Republic of the Congo in Kinshasa. We probably will have a climb in Kenya. They have been a like reliable every year, like get the community together. I need to touch base with them to confirm that, mm-hmm. but they're probably on board. And then we're actually also doing sort of like a corporate event climb option. So like mm-hmm. if you run a business or you like own a business and you want a team building activity, like we have an option of that too. So we've got a couple That's of cool. climb teams that are like not listed because they're not public events. They're like a wow. private event for a oh, business. That's cool. Yeah. We also have Greece and we just met with somebody in Japan on Thursday or Friday last week. Thank so. you, Danny. That's super You're cool. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you guys are such a good team. I love oh, it. Oh, Kat, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. You guys are, yeah, perfect yeah. to be working together on this. <laughs> awesome. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. E three. <laughs> are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Right. So, I mean, it's a lot of work for sure. And I'm not saying it's not worth it. It's it's a big event. (laughs) And you guys put a lot of time and energy into making these events easy for people to do, accessible for them to be able to do in whatever way works for them and their community. And there's just so much flexibility and so much possibility for how people want to show up. And like, first and foremost, it's community coming together, finding support, being a support and all of those. And it's also can be a fundraiser for the community. Some of the funds, I mean, can you talk about how that works about how fundraising works? Yeah. So PSI at the U.S., portion of PSI, like PSI is a registered nonprofit in the United States. So any climbs that are happening in the United States, 
50% of the funds go to support like PSI's national and international programs and 50% go to support whatever programs are happening on a state level. So each state has a PSI chapter. Great work, chapters, team at PSI. Like, amazing team. Amazing. The fact that we have, and not just states, but like Washington, D.C. So like District of Columbia territories, like all of those are able to be their own PSI chapter entities. Like we're, I think we're in talks with Puerto Rico folks right now, like Puerto Rico to get their chapter up and running, which means, you know, we can host an event and then put funds to whatever that community, whatever that state needs. So Mm -hmm. if they need more trained providers, then we can help make that happen through those Mm -hmm. funds Mm -hmm. and more support groups locally that people can attend in person. They can put their funds to that to make that happen. Internationally, it's different because obviously if you're donating to a nonprofit, it's not registered in the country you live in. All of those tax rules and things that apply in the U.S. become different. So in Canada, we're partnering with Life With, which is a registered charity in Canada, Mm -hmm. and they are helping PSI Canada and local community programs in Canada, like get funding for whatever their perinatal mental health heart desires mm-hmm. to have happen. So it's very, very cool. cool stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that, that I don't know about for you, but sometimes if I'm donating somewhere, I'm like donating to hopefully like, I'm pretty sure that money's going to get to somebody who needs it. But with this type of fundraising, you know, where like the money's going and you know, it's going back to the community who raised it locally or the community who needs it sort of on a bigger, broader level. It's just yeah. such a cool model of fundraising and community gathering. It's just so much good. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. I think the other piece that I want to just acknowledge is so many of our state chapters and like communities are being renovative with what constitutes support, like not having food security, like not having diapers. If you think that that would not impact someone's mental health, like I cannot imagine how that would not have a tremendous impact, not knowing like if I have enough formula the next time I run out, like not knowing where Mm -hmm. it's coming from, not knowing if I'm going to have the diapers that Mm -hmm. I need. When the kid is the next size or whatever. And it's all of those things. And it's therapy. It's support um, groups. Right. It's all parts of parenting because Mm -hmm. every aspect of it can be the piece that can make or break Mm -hmm. any of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really powerful. So I want to talk about the podcast as well. But first, can you let people know a little bit more about how they can be a part of a claim? Absolutely. So if you are interested or if you're feeling inspired to lead an event in your community, you're in luck because there's still time to sign up to be a climb leader in October of 2023. So I think that Kat will probably leave a link in the show notes or something Mm -hmm. cool like that to fill out our team registration form, which is uh, due July 15th. If you would like to lead a climb in October of 2023, if you are not ready to lead a climb in October and you are interested in leading a climb in 2024, either in June or October, you can get on our interest list and we'll drop a link to that in the show notes as well. And we'll be able to reach out to you in the new year and give you all the information you need to get on board with us. And then the other option is if you are not interested in leading a climb, but you are interested in joining your local event and attending and taking part that way, that's great. We have a map on our website. Um, You can pinch to Zoom or yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a frequently asked question. How do I zoom in? So you pinch to zoom on the map and find a climb near you. There are all the events happening in June and October. And uh, you can click on the pin and um, get all the details for your local event. Most you climbs map have- the event. Like yes. you can click on the yeah. pin and then be like, I want directions. Mm-hmm. And it yep. You You'll have details about, you know, if you have questions for the climb leaders, mm-hmm. you can email them. Usually the time of the event and the location mm-hmm. are all listed there. Um, That's cool. And you can find a climb near you. That's awesome. If people can't get to a climb or like it's too far away or whatever, mm-hmm. but they still want to participate somehow, is there an option for that? 
Yes. Okay. So mm. the climb map has three different color pins on it. We have light blue. Those are the climbs that are happening right now in June. Then we have dark blue. Those are the climbs that are happening in October. If you see a purple pin, that's the one for the PSI conference. Mm. That's in Kansas City, Missouri. And then we've got yellow pins and those are all virtual climbs. So you nice. can participate virtually in whatever activities we're doing online that week before the climb event. We're doing one this week and we're going to do it again in October for anyone who wants to participate. And then we will be sending out t-shirts directly to those earn, you know, raise a hundred dollars to earn their climb shirt. Their climb shirt. Yeah. Nice. So what you're saying is if somebody raises a hundred dollars or more, they get a climb shirt. Yep. Yes. Yep. We have a link to our fundraising platform. So you just make a little page, you know, a great way to fundraise is just, if this is your first time kind of like tipping your toe in the water, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think I want to get involved with this climb thing. Mm -hmm. The first way that I fundraised was by emailing my friends and family and neighbors. I kind of figured, okay, if I'm going to send a holiday card out to people, then I think I'm going to also send them an email about this really awesome thing that I'm doing. And I was Mm -hmm. blown away by people just saying, oh, wow, that's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah. I'll donate five bucks or 10 Mm -hmm. bucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. Totally blown away. I did raise more than $100, which was awesome. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. A lot more. And it was, my mind was blown, but that's a great way to kind of ease into fundraising. That's you know? cool. That, yeah. I do love that too. Like every $5 matters. Oh um, yeah. Like it's, it, you don't have to, there's no pressure for it to be some like massive amount of like mm-hmm. money or whatever. Like mm-hmm. those, all of the dollars matter. Yeah. No matter yeah. how, what size of donation you mm-hmm. are able to, to offer. Yeah. Say I had the same thing, Danny, when I was fundraising, like I, I'm like, I'm going to do what you want me to ask people for money. But once I like set myself aside, I was like, Oh, this isn't for me, me. I'm not like yes. pay my bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, because I went through some stuff and I'm super mm-hmm. passionate about this and I want to help other people. Like yeah. I had took, had to take myself out of it and then it felt much easier mm-hmm. introvert issues, you know? Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, that a lot of people are a little bit worried about the fundraising aspect. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I always That's tell climb leaders, optional. yep. Mm-hmm, when I'm right. first meeting with a first time climb leader, I'm like, listen, there are teams that raise $10. There are teams that raise $30,000. We don't keep a list in our office of like our favorite teams because they've raised <laughs> the most money. You know, fundraising is part of it, but there's no pressure from us to right. raise a certain amount of money. Yep. T-shirts just cost money. So if, if you raise a hundred <laughs> bucks, then, then we can send you some, Right. you know? So yeah, absolutely. Another one of the reasons I love this is because it is absolutely community and support first. Just, yep. it's so cool. Okay, great. I will add links, you know, and all of that at the end and remind everyone when and where and how. But, so thanks for that info. But I do really want to also get to the podcast. I am one pod. So tell me about this baby. Danny, this is your oh, baby. Oh, this is me? Danny. Yeah, oh. Danny, tell me oh. about your podcast baby. Forgot I was on a podcast for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So this was something that, I don't know, Emily, when was it? 2022, early 2022, we started kind of throwing around, we throw around all kinds of fun ideas of projects mm-hmm. that, you know, we want to do in the climb office. But, you know, we started talking about doing a podcast, like we should really talk to our climb leaders, We, you know, and that kind of morphed into let's, I was also a peer mentor at PSI and it, it's, I volunteered in a different way as well, besides just being a climb leader. And I was like, I wonder, maybe we should talk to other people, right? Um, the volunteer and work at PSI. That's kind of what it's morphed into. Mm-hmm. First, we were thinking of just talking to climb leaders, but, you know. We want to talk. And most to climb leaders we, wear yeah. more than one hat anyway. Yeah, and so that's like the asking thing. them to just talk about the climb, they'd be like, "But let me tell you about being a coordinator." Yeah. Like, okay, go <laughs> so, ahead. Like, tell so me it about ha- being a coordinator. It's it has morphed. So we on the I am one podcast, we talked to PSI postpartum support international, um, staff and volunteers and board members, Kat, come on over water. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. We'll, we'll talk to you later. Mocha. I have a microphone. Um, okay. Yes. Wow. Awesome. Mm. She's ready. Mm. Right. <laughs> okay. So we talk about, we touch a little bit on their own personal lived experience. We talk about how they got well 
and what they're doing now to support folks in the perinatal period. Um, nice. And it's really fun sitting down. This is, I'm of course passionate about this because this is the thing that sparked a fire in me and completely right. changed the trajectory of my life. And so, yeah, this is really important to me. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody listen. <laughs> yeah. I love it too. Cause it sort of pulls back the curtain a little bit on PSI and mm-hmm. the folks in PSI, what P- people within PSI does, what PSI does for people. And it's so easy. I find kind of being on this side of kind of being more internal to PSI than, you know, let's say however long ago you like being um, not understanding what all goes into an organization. It seems like, I don't know, organizations should be able to like shift and move and why don't they do this and how come they don't do that? And sometimes PSI is already doing the things that people think they should be doing, but they just don't know about it yet. Yeah. And so this is, you know, one of the awesome ways that people can really see how much work and passion and and Mm. everything goes into to what PSI does, who PSI is. Yeah. It feels very much to me kind of like, you know, we were talking about that intersection at a climb of Mm -hmm. um, providers being there and new parents being there and Mm -hmm. maybe some veteran parents being there Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of all connecting in one place. I feel like podcasts are a great place to attract all of those people as well. So we're talking to people who might be, you know, people might think, hear the podcast and think, wow, like I do, I've been trying to figure out how I can support folks in the perinatal period. Maybe I can Mm -hmm. volunteer or, or professionals thinking like, oh, wow, I didn't even know about PSI. Maybe I might Mm want to get, you know, pursue being perinatal mental health certified so I can better support folks in the perinatal period. Um, Anyway. (sighs) Yeah. And I think, I think for me, like (laughs) thinking about when I first got into this work, I was also with the climb at the organization that birthed it and grew it while it was in preschool. (laughs) And then, you know, at the point at which that organization folded and asked PSI to take on the climb, I, you know, sort of sat around and Wendy was like, Hey, (laughs) um, and I got pulled in, but like, that was the first time that those initial conversations with Wendy, like our executive director, that was the first time that I started to realize the scope of what PSI was are doing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this is like that passion project. Like it's, do you have to be a therapist, a psychiatrist, a doula or a midwife in order to have an impact in this space? Absolutely not. Like there are so many ways, like Mm -hmm. a lot of times the stories of getting better include therapy, but it's not like I went to therapy and suddenly I was better. Therapy is one part of like their, their larger trajectory. And it always includes people who are mental health professionals and people who are not mental health professionals and Mm -hmm. everyone in between people who are both the mental health professional and the survivor. Like we need to tell the stories of all of those folks who are doing Mm -hmm. this work. And so that's why I'm super excited about the podcast because there are so many folks who like one of the people we interviewed is uh, she works with horses. Like she works on a farm with horses and does animal care and does this, like, this is her favorite pet side project. Like she's making an impact. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I thanks for um, bringing in that point too. I think, yeah, the old view in my mind of what supports mental health is that it's just the therapist and whatever psychiatrist mm-hmm. and all that, which is great. And I mean, I'm not 100%. bashing myself. I'm a therapist, go to therapy, but yeah. To your point, it is so much more than just that. There are so many ways that people can get support during this period of time. And like for you guys, being able to share all those ways, it comes through story. It comes through people's experience, which really not only shares like the what, like, or like the thing that you can do to get help, but the like real life experience of how that help supports somebody. It just like brings it all to life so that people can see what's available to them. Magic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like that's just magic. That's why we're doing what we're doing. 
It's really cool. So where can people hear this podcast of yours? They can listen to our podcast on their favorite podcast listening platform. It's available on all major platforms. So just type in, I am one podcast. Can you say before we wrap up on that, um, how did you come up with the title? Well, we reflected on several names and we kept coming back to one of PSI's motto is that I, you are not alone. You are not to blame. And with help, you will be well. And it really helps people remember that they are not alone in experiencing what they're experiencing. I felt very alone. And I know now that I wasn't um, Mm -hmm. at the time and storytelling helped me feel like I was one of many people, right. Mm -hmm. That experience something that go through something that um, rocked my world. And I, and I wasn't alone. So the fact, you know, the idea I am one of many Mm -hmm. was one that we kept coming back to. So that's where I am one comes from. And so on every episode, we let our guest name their episode so they can kind of just uh, explain how they identify with I am one. And Mm -hmm. so you'll notice these are, I think I named the first couple episodes and then we thought, what are we doing? We should just have people name their own episode and you will see that when you check out our podcast. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Emily, so what are other ways that people might identify with I am one? Yeah. So we have not a lot of statistics about perinatal mental health because there isn't enough research cough cough can we get some more research with more stats <laughs> call to action um, mm-hmm. but there's this debate or i guess it's over at least it's over in my mind one in five mothers versus one in seven mothers i think it's based on like the period of time in which that statistic is gathered it's one in five mm-hmm. in the first year and it's one in seven in the first three months postpartum right And so like, I could say I'm one in five, but what if you're not one in five? What if you're one in seven? What if you don't identify as a mother? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like you are one, you are one of us. You are one of whatever the statistic is. You were one in 10 dads. You're, you know, you're one of us. So I am one because the number after it doesn't matter. It matters that you are one of it. Great. Thank you for that. Both of you. It has its own power just in that title. It says mm. it says a lot. So yeah, kudos to Thanks, that Kat. title. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, I appreciate you guys so much for coming on and sharing your time and all of the amazing work that you're doing in so many ways that you're impacting people's lives. It's just phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on the podcast. Okay, there's so much important information in this episode, and I want to make sure that you guys have access to them. You can for sure go to postpartum.net to be connected with a climb or the podcast, or more specifically, you can go to the join us section to find a climb, or you can go to the news section to find I am one podcast. Also, you can connect with PSI and the climb at PSI climb out at I am one podcast or at postpartum support international. There is still time to either join a climb near you or virtually, or be a climb leader in your community. If you'd like to attend lead or share your interest for your future climb, you can go to postpartum.net slash join us slash climb out and get connected to the team today. If you know anyone who could benefit from hearing Emily and Danny's story, more about the climb out of the darkness or the I am one podcast, please share this episode as far and as wide as possible. As you know, and as I say, almost every episode, it is so important for people to know that they are not alone. And podcasts like these are one really important way to do that. Thank you so much for listening until next time. Please find the Mom and Mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mom and Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health. I'm 
Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.